What's up, family? Cool. What's up, family? All right. That's what I'm talking about. Talk to me, please. Listen, I'm so glad to be able to be up here uh, with you all. Uh, Two Cities Church, Winston-Salem as a whole, uh, has a special place uh, in my heart. Uh, My wife and I actually used to live in Winston. We lived here for about eight years. Uh, Both of our kids were born here. And even uh, when we come back to Winston-Salem and we come to Two Cities, uh, we see different people that walked with us. Uh, when we you know, were first walking in our, our marriage, when uh, we didn't know what it looked like to, to raise a kid, we had people come alongside of us in that. And so uh, Two Cities and the people of Two Cities and Winston-Salem as a whole will always hold a special place in our heart. So thank you very much for, for welcoming us here today. Uh, shout out to Pastor Kyle, Pastor David, and the staff here. Uh, you guys have a phenomenal staff. Would you give it up for your people? Amen. Uh, Pastor Kyle was so gracious uh, to allow me to to jump in on his uh, sermon series. Uh, If this is your first time here, uh, Pastor Kyle's a little bit more better looking than I am. Um, and he has been walking through the parables of Jesus. Uh, and so I've been tasked with uh, closing out this series and, and finishing up in Matthew chap, chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Um, as you're doing that, if you aren't familiar with church whatsoever, uh, a parable as a whole is simply uh, what I grew up hearing. It's an, it's an earthly story with a, with a heavenly meaning. Essentially, when you look at the parables, uh, Jesus takes these parables and he, and he puts these earthly meanings, these earthly ideas, these earthly concepts, uh, and essentially to uh, proclaim spiritual truth so that the, the listeners and for us now would, would come to an understanding of that. And so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at just another parable uh, that, that Jesus had, and I hope that it will have such profound truth uh, for us today. But before we jump into that, I have a question for you. Is $1,000 too much to spend on something? I I told y'all, y'all better talk. (laughs) Is $1,000 too much to spend on something? Depending on what it is. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, we about to have some communication in here. All right, yeah, it depends on what it is. If I said, cool, would you spend $1,000 for a toothbrush, your response would probably be? No. No. You probably look at me like, boy, you crazy, right? I would spend $1,000 for a toothbrush if it brushed my teeth by itself, right? Made me breakfast, right? That would make a little bit more sense. If I would say, would you spend $1,000 for a cell phone, you would say, ooh. (laughs) That wasn't as loud because there are people in here, (laughs) there are people in here who have spent $1,000 for a cell phone. (laughs) And those are the ones that did not respond. And so what we see is like, okay, yeah, it depends on what it is. If I were to say, all right, would you spend $1,000 for a brand new 2020 Model X Tesla, you would say? Yes, right? Even if you didn't have $1,000, you would do whatever in your power to go find $1,000 so you can get this brand new car because it's probably better than the car we have now, right? And it's electric. Boogie woogie. (laughs) You wasn't ready for that one. That one was on the house. <laughs> Guys, when we ask, well, I ask the question, right? If $1,000 is, is too much, right? Is something expensive or not? It depends on the value of the item being purchased, right? We look at something when we think, hey, this might add value to my life. So I'm willing to, to pay the cost for it. I'm willing to, to lay out money, even if I may not have it, to make sure that I get this 
thing. To put it a different way, the value you place on something is shown as what you're willing to give up for it. And here in this parable, Jesus invites us in on an intimate conversation that he's having with his disciples. And he says, man, guys, listen up. I've got something of so much value and worth that you should be willing to give up everything for it. And if we're honest with ourselves, our lives are, are marked by seeking to find worth like that, worth in things that have really little to no value at all. Paycheck, relationships, kids, spouses, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, but when we find our worth in those things, we're going to be let down over and over and over again. And what Jesus is saying in this parable in Matthew 13, if you seek to find your worth in what I'm offering you, you're going to be fully satisfied, and it's worth it. It's worth it, and if it is, we should be willing to pay the price to obtain it. However, it'll cost you more than you know, but the, the reward is greater than you could imagine. So, hopefully you found with me in Matthew 13, we're looking at verses 44, and it starts off like this. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Listen, we first need to understand the idea of the kingdom of heaven. You see, up to this point, Jesus has made several references to the kingdom of heaven as he's been walking through these different parables. In explaining what the kingdom of heaven is, Jesus is using what we already said, these natural terms to, to, to build out this spiritual concept. And the spiritual concept that he's trying to construct in our minds and the minds of the disciples is, is the fact of what the, the kingdom of heaven is. It's, it's different than what we could ever imagine. And Pastor Kyle, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, he explained that the kingdom of heaven is characterized by life with God under the rule of Jesus. So what's important for us to know in the context here is that the, the Jews were, when, you, when they mentioned something about the kingdom or the kingdom of heaven, their idea of what that was was to overthrow Roman rule. That this, this new kingdom was going to be set up here on earth and, and God was going to be sitting on the throne of David. But what Jesus is saying here in other places is that the kingdom of heaven is going to be completely different than what you actually think. It's more along the lines of the rule and reign of Jesus over our lives to do what he says to do and to live as he says to live. So Jesus goes on to say that this rule and reign is like a treasure hidden in a field. He then explains this random guy who comes across this treasure. And here's the thing, it gives nothing specific about this guy at all. And that's something that, that I love because we kind of can put ourselves there a little bit, right? Some scholars say that this man was probably a, a hired hand in the field. He, he was probably poor, homeless, that he was hungry, thirsty, right? And it doesn't really go into any of those details, but the fact that I love that is because we could place ourselves in that and say, well, maybe we are this guy, right? But he doesn't go on to say anything. Now, we need to understand the context here, right? Some people read this about this guy in verse 44, that he finds this treasure, and then he buries it up, and then he tries to go and find it. And we're like, well, dang, ain't that a little shady, right? <laughs> For him to find this treasure, he don't go and call someone, like, hey, I think I may have found your precious treasure, right? There's always two types of people, right? Someone that find, when, and when finding something. You find something and the first person they'll call lost and found, right? Hey, I found, you know, you're such and such, whatever it is. There's other group of people like myself. They'll find something and they'll call it a blessing. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> it's like, dag, this is nice. Thank you. 
One of my favorite coffee mugs is one that I found a long time ago. Can, those are Contigo ones, you know what I'm talking about? You press the button and the steam come out. Really, really nice, right? For free. That's mine. <laughs> Every time I sip coffee on it, I'm like, look at God, give me these blessings, right? <laughs> Here's the thing that we need to understand, what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about moralism or anything like that here. As you see, for, for them to understand, to hear this, it would make sense. You see, in the context here, they didn't have banks or, or safes or lock boxes or things like that. And so uh, people would always take the precious values. If it had much value, they would hide it in the ground. Because during this time, there was a lot of war and people would just die randomly and things like that. And so they would hide these treasures and hopefully come back to it at a, at a later date. But unfortunately, because you may die early and you may not tell your family member about said treasure, that treasure would be lost for good until someone else found it, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. This guy came across this treasure. Now, for those listening, they probably knew somebody or had an, an uncle or a friend of a friend that found a, a valuable treasure just like this. And, and for some of them, they may have found a valuable treasure like this. And so Jesus is setting up the stage for them to be like, okay, I'm tracking with you, God. I'm tracking with you. Now, what's so amazing in this story is this guy, in seeing the value of the treasure in the field, he makes a decision that completely reorganizes his priorities. And what I mean by that is he goes and sells everything he has in order to obtain the field that houses the treasure. What he saw in the field apparently had enough value that he was willing to pay the price for it no matter the cost. I heard it said this way that finding a treasure like this during this time would be like us hitting the, the lottery, right? It, it would be like us taking a walk down Renolda uh, Gardens, right? And, and finding this, this suitcase with $100 trillion in it. What would you do? <laughs> Look at God, right? <laughs> That's what we do. We know, let's be honest, right? It, it would completely change everything about us if we were to find value like that. And this man finds this treasure and he decided to do something about it. He makes a decision to sell everything that he had. His house, his Tesla, if he had it, you know, his iPhone, his, his shoes, everything. He goes up to his wife and could you imagine that conversation? Baby, I found this amazing treasure. Yes, we're going to have to sell them earrings, but I promise you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And catch this. He does this, Saul. What does it say? In his joy. In his joy. This is what Jesus is saying is, is happening here. When the person who has come to realize the value of the rule and reign of Jesus over their lives, that they are willing to pay the cost to have it. The question is today, is that you? Does, does Jesus have complete rule and reign over your life? So if we're honest with ourselves, we love the concept of Jesus as Savior, right? We, we know we some trash spiritually. I'll speak for myself. We know we're some wretches, and we love the concept of Jesus as Savior. But when it comes to Jesus as Lord, we hold on to some things. We're not sure if we're willing to, to fully give up for it. If we're honest with, our, with ourselves, being fully committed is hard for us to do. And if we take our honesty to the next level, we should admit that it's hard to do because we don't value the reality of what Christ has done so that he could rule and reign over our lives. 
I find it so interesting that it says that the, the treasure is hidden. The reality is God has been, been gracious to reveal the treasure to us. You, you see, the treasure is not hidden so that it's hard to find. It's hidden because our eyes choose not to see it. We have become so enamored with the things that cannot truly satisfy us. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Weight of Glory, he says it this way, that it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. It's a vacation, right? We are far too easily pleased. Jesus believes that this kingdom is so valuable and so joy-inducing that this kingdom that includes everything that God has done through Jesus and what he will do through Jesus in our lives and for our good and his glory, that, that true redemption and salvation and satisfaction both spiritually and eventually physically as well can be found. That if we were to come across this treasure, across this truth and what the kingdom is meant for, that would be like finding the greatest treasure and doing everything to own it and to live for it in pure joy. Jesus is saying that it calls for this type of response. Question for you, how are you responding to the rule and reign of Jesus in your life? Have you come across the treasure and instead of fully investing it on the front end, you put down down payments? You just kind of, ah, I'm good here. You go back, good here. I go back. The question for you today, were you not willing to give up to be under his loving reign fully? Is it that relationship with that boy or girl that you know is not God-honoring? Is it your sexual ethics, that addiction that you refuse to get help with, that never-ending chase for financial security, that grudge that you refuse to seek reconciliation for? What is it? Then you need to ask yourself the question, is it worth it? See, according to this text, there should be nothing that you are not willing to give up once you have discovered the beauty of the lordship of Jesus Christ that you should be willing to do whatever he calls you to do and to go wherever he calls you to go. No cost is too high. Nothing should keep us from entering into this new reality of the kingdom of heaven in which our Lord and Savior rules and reigns. It's part of the reason why we're going to Nashville. Guys, on paper, does it look like I like country music? <laughs> oh, so y'all already know, I ain't even gotta say anything. <laughs> No, no, I don't. <laughs> but my wife and I have counted the costs. We, we're, we're willing to step away from security. We're willing to step away from what we love and, and enjoy to go reach people who need to hear the truth of Jesus. We've counted the costs, and Christ is worth it. Are you counting the cost in your own life? What is he calling you into that you have yet to give up on? To be under his reign fully and completely. But, as we're painfully aware of, it's hard for us to do, right? We're stubborn people, aren't we? 
Oh, we stubborn people, aren't we? Okay, I just want to make sure y'all track and remember, talk to me, I'll talk to you, right? This is hard for us to do. And even if we don't think that we're stubborn people, people clearly Jesus does. Why? <laughs> because he tells the story again, <laughs> just differently, literally right back to back. He's looking and talking to the disciples. He's like, they don't get it. All right, all right, listen, listen. I'm going to tell it again, all right? Verse 45. Again, if you didn't catch me the first time, again, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus essentially is telling the same story again, but with a few minor changes. You see, in this first section, it really doesn't tell us much about the guy or what he's doing in that particular field. But it tells us about the second guy. He was a merchant. And not only was he a merchant, he was actually in search of this treasure. He, he knew that there was something greater. This guy was out searching because he knows something of value exists somewhere. And so he's on the move. When we think of pearls, we think of grandma's necklace that only comes out around Thanksgiving, right? And Easter and all that stuff, right? During this time, a, a pearl had significant value. They were said that Cleopatra had a pearl worth 25 million denarii. One denarii was a day's wage, so the value was roughly $4 billion. Could you imagine how many iPhones and Teslas you could buy <laughs> with that? I want a Tesla. <clears throat> oh, there it is. <laughs> In Jesus' name, I'm going to find one. <laughs> <laughs> A pearl had so much value in this day, guys. And in Jesus' story, this guy made it his life's mission to find pearls. And he found this great one. And just like the one man in verse 44, he, he sold everything that he had in order to obtain it. This story essentially strengthens the point that Jesus was making in the first story. Finding this treasure demands immediate change of priorities in one's life that speaks to the value of the treasure found. See, in these two instances, Jesus says it's like discovering the kingdom of heaven. So what does this mean for you and I today? Essentially, that the kingdom requires a change of life. It requires obedience. It requires love of Jesus. It requires joy in the ruler and reigner who is Jesus Christ. These two stories represent people who are still very much represented in life today. The first group is simply just wandering, and you just happen to come under some compulsion that you may come to church or, uh, or, or, or something needs to be figured out in your life, right? And I believe with my whole heart that there is someone this weekend who needs to hear this reality because you're just stumbling. You're, you're wondering. You're, you're hurting, Right? There's, there's something going on, and you realize that you have a hunger. And just like the man in the field, you, you've stumbled and got, got your attention of this, this particular treasure. Can I tell you something? You're not alone. There are many who know Jesus here today because they just stumbled upon him. They had a friend or a neighbor or a coworker share the truth of Jesus to them, and it's completely altered their lives. You see, sometimes the Holy Spirit convicts in such a way where you think you have everything that you need only to see that you're actually destitute and lost. That's my story. That's how I came to know Christ. 
I was, I was so infatuated with the compliments of people and how I made people laugh and how girls were attracted to me, right? So on and so forth. And I wasn't even searching for Jesus. I realized I thought that I had Jesus. In reality, I did not. But God in his grace surrounded me with friends who knew Christ. God in his grace placed me in a, in a home with a praying grandma. I don't know if y'all got a praying grandma, but boy, having one of those. And I had one. And it's through that that I saw the reality of who Jesus was that I was wandering across this, this field of empty compliments and I was tripping over the rocks of shallow accolades and I found Jesus, this treasure. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today and you have been searching. You know that there is something more to this life, that there is an absolute truth and nothing else is making sense wherever you look. You've tried to find your treasure in a promotion at your job, in, in money, in your kids, in a relationship, in your sexual identity, the approval of your parents or friends. You've been searching and you realize that there is more to life. And if that's you, can I encourage you by sharing with you today that maybe your search is over, that you've, you've come to the right place where you can hear the truth of Jesus and who he is. So you've been looking to find joy in created things and it's been ultimately leading you to the creator of those things. Jesus is reminding us that some people will find salvation in Jesus Christ when they're not looking for him at all. And others make the same discovery through their use of the means appointed for that purpose. In all cases, however, the discovery is so wonderful that its value eclipses everything else. Nothing can be compared to having it and possessing it, the, the spiritual blessings of the kingdom of, the heaven, uh, of heaven and the rule and reign of Jesus Christ over our lives. But the question still remains, how do we get to that point? If it's, if it's so hard for us to, to grasp and to hold on to, what do we need to do to make sure that this is what we treasure? Well, I think it's three things, and I'll get out of your hair. One, we need to realize the value of the treasure. We need to realize the value of the treasure. We place our value in other things that consistently let us down and puts us in a place of desperation and need. Guys, if we are honest with ourselves, for the most part it seems like we are, we're lost. We're lost. In fact, we are more lost than we could ever imagine. You know, our, our, our culture as a whole is, is trending more and more towards pluralism. Essentially, that there are multiple ways to get to God, right? There are people who say, well, all, all religions will, will eventually lead to God, right? Like God is at this top of a mountain, and you take that path, and I'll take this path, and this path, and we'll all get to God eventually. But then Scripture says, well, Jesus says in Scripture, no, 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 no. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one's coming to the Father except through me. There, there are others who would say, uh, 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 well, if I do good deeds here on earth, I'm not as bad as those people over there. I should be good to go. But then Scripture says, nah, there's nobody righteous. There's nobody that's good. You thought, but you're not, right? 
There are others, uh, I know the thought is prevalent here in the South, that some believe that if I simply just pray a prayer when I was younger, and I can go about living my life any way that I want, contrary to what scripture lays out, I'm still good to go. That if I simply go to church on the weekend and check that box, I'll, I'll pray from time to time, right? That's, that's good enough. I don't necessarily need accountability. I don't necessarily need anyone telling me how to have my walk with God. I don't necessarily need to be on mission. But then this text comes in and says, when you come to know the treasure, your life is drastically changed. You look like Jesus looks. You do as Jesus does. You you love in the same way that he loves. You live. That's how Christ lays it out. And listen, if we're honest, if if you're new to church, those, those things that I just said, those are some bold claims, aren't they? Christianity has some some bold claims. The fact that I can say that Jesus is the only way, the fact that I say you're really not as good as you think that you are, the fact that I say you actually have to live a, a changed life, those are some bold claims. But here's the thing. Jesus is the one that says it. It ain't me. Here's the thing. He created us. He can say what he wants to say. It's just the reality of who it is and what it is. When Jesus says, you are lost, way more lost than what you could have ever, ever imagined, it's a reality. But then he also says, you're more loved than you could ever imagine. And that's a reality for us as well. So much so that he shows that love by doing whatever is necessary to save us. And this is when we begin to see the value of the treasure. See, this parable is all about having Jesus rule and reign over our lives, but not only rule and reign, but to save us from ourselves as well. You see, when we talk about rule and reign and salvation, those are, those are, those are words and concepts that relate to, to kings and, and kingdoms, right? And we have our idea of kings and kingdoms from fairy tales and books and movies and things like that. You see, when we talk about the kingdom, this is, we need to understand it from the concept of our lives. When we talk about rule and reign, we also think about the concept of of us being rulers and reigners. And Jesus says, you're not a really good king or queen. (laughs) You can't rule over your life the way that I can, with your interests in mind and for my glory. You see, Jesus has been saying up to this point and all throughout the book of Matthew that if you are to be the ruler and reigner of your own life, your life will be lost. However, I've come to save you. How? Well, just like this man and just like the merchant who came across the treasure and gave up everything for it, Jesus did the same for us. He saw you and I needing to be found And he saw the value in our broken relationship being restored back to God. Jesus, too, saw a better treasure than the riches and glory of heaven. You see, he saw reconciliation. He saw relationship. He saw forgiveness. He saw redemption. He saw restoration for you and for me between us and his Father. And with that in mind, with that prize set before him, he gave up everything. He laid down his rights so that the treasure would be secured. He himself became poor so that in him, you and I could be made rich. 
And not in a, a material wealth type of rich either. I'm talking about the riches of being known and loved by God and accepted fully by him based on everything that Jesus has done for us. Family, this is the Jesus that we need to come to. And it comes at a cost. His life given away for ours to be given meaning. His punishment for our pardon and forgiveness of sin. His abandonment for our adoption. And you may say, well, why in the world do I need this Jesus? Because the reality is, even if you had a million lifetimes, you still wouldn't be able to live the perfect enough life to be accepted. We're, we're sinners at our very core. We're, we're broken. Even on our best days, we still drop the ball. And the thing is, when we value the treasure, salvation, and security, to know that Jesus loved us enough to die for us, that he was God enough to save us, that he is Lord enough to know what is good and, and needed in our lives. And newsflash, the things that we typically pursue are of no worth at all. So then how do we get this treasure? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. You repent of your sin. You turn away from it. You stop relying on yourself and you believe in the goodness of God, the grace of Jesus and the forgiveness of your sins. You repent and believe. This is the treasure we should be willing to sacrifice for. But it doesn't stop there. We also realize its value, then we receive it with joy. When you begin to think about the reality of Jesus going to such great lengths so that you could have abundant life, there should be this conscious decision to say, my goodness, why would I not give up these things that I'm chasing after for that? To be that loved, to be that thought for, to be that cared for, when you begin to realize the lengths he went through for you on a personal level to bring you into the kingdom of God, you begin to stop and think just like the hymn writer, and can it be? that thou wouldst die for me. To, to put it in, in simple terms, pinch me, am I dreaming? <laughs> Is this a reality? That again, that I'm this loved, that I'm this cherished, that I'm this thought for by the creator of the universe? What? This is when we put the pens down and we lift our, our eyes and our hands up to Jesus and say, thank you. This is the, the hallelujah moment for us. But can I say this? And I feel like we all need to hear this. Just because this joy in your life of knowing Christ, just because you own that and possess that, it doesn't mean you won't face struggles. See, being in relationship with Jesus, though it's joyful, is also hard. You're going to be faced with trials, and you will wrestle with asking God why or, or how or, or what are you doing here, God? I, I, I don't get it. Just this week, my, my family and I, we had to drive down to, to Florida. My, my brother-in-law and his wife, they had to bury their 20-day-year-old their baby. And you're like, what in the world? God, what are you doing here? But as painful as that is, 
to be able to hear them say, just like Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's not a false hope. That's not a false sense of security. It's the fact that we get to cling on the promises of God. That yes, there's trouble here on earth, but what did Jesus say? Take heart, why? I've overcome the world. These are things that we cling to, that there's going to be a day where he wipes away every tear from our eye. That the pain that we experience here will one day be no more. And that is why we can easily give up the junk for the sake of knowing that we have that to look forward to. Riches on riches on riches of knowing Jesus Christ. How do we fight to maintain that joy of the Lord in the midst of these troubles and trials of this life? It's reminding ourselves of those truths. That everything that we're going through right here, right now, in this life will pale in comparison to the glory that's going to be revealed to us when we see him face to face. We realize the value of the treasure. We receive it with joy. But finally, we remember that it's costly. And in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to his disciples very similar to how he is talking to them now. And he says this in verse 34 of Mark chapter 8. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Essentially, Jesus is saying what he's saying here now. You've got to be willing to, to deny the things that you want to hold on to, to follow after me. He says, in order to follow him and be under his rule, there are things in your life that you're going to want to hold on to and you simply cannot. To follow Jesus means there are things that we're going to have to give up and essentially die to. We must be willing to die to self-determination, die to having control over our own lives, die to using Jesus to fit our personal agenda, die to our preferences, death, death, death. Commitment to Jesus is costly. There's this burden of giving away your, your money, right? And you can give it to a church planner in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> Offering your time with others who you know or may not know. There's this call to serve others before yourself. There's this discomfort of accountability with other people, spending time with the family of God, serving the church, being with each other throughout the week. Sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And it circles around the truth of the gospel. Guys, following Jesus is costly. And on top of that sacrifice of following Jesus, there's a shame of following him as well. Think about it culturally, both here and abroad. When I tell my neighbors or, or people at the gym or family members that I'm a Christian, I'm automatically put in a box. I'm a bigot. I'm, I'm on the wrong side of history. I'm, I'm homophobic. I'm following the white man's religion. I keep on going and going and going, and it's a, a long list on what people think about Christians. And here's the thing, we're not as persecuted as our brothers and sisters overseas, and, and thank God for that. But however, there is this stigma of being a follower of Jesus, and it's to be labeled. And here's what I know what I'm not doing right now. It's making a beautiful case as to why you should follow Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> There's major sacrifice to your personal preferences. It costs you a lot. There's this shame that comes with it. Why would anyone put themselves through that? Because we have come to see that following Jesus may cost us the good life, but following Jesus gives us true life. 
See, on the other side of all of that death that we experience of the fleeing pleasures here, there is life eternal with Jesus Christ. That is what we can cling to. That is what we can place our hope in. If what Jesus has done for us is true, if we truly laid down, if he truly laid down his rights for you and for me, at the very least, we can lay down our preferences, our unholy desires, our, our sin. In this parable, Jesus is saying that the cost of following him is higher than you know, but the reward of following him is greater than you could ever imagine. Do you trust that? I want you to bow your heads with me. And as you bow, there are two groups of people here in this room. It's the group that's holding on to something that you think, think is extremely significant for you. Something that says that if you have this, you have value. And I don't know what it is, but we all have it. it essentially says that this is as good as it gets and you refuse to exchange it because in your mind you believe that. What is that? Is it one of those things that I, that I mentioned here? A job, a relationship, some addiction. What is it? What Jesus is offering you here in this moment far surpasses anything that you think gives you value. And he is saying, come to me. Cast all your burdens on me. Take my yoke. Let's, let's exchange a little bit. And you'll find rest in me. There's another group, though. You've been following Jesus for a very long time, but you have lost sight of the value of the treasure that you have in Christ Jesus. Your walk with him has gone somewhat cold. Your prayer life is all but gone because you found yourself starting to treasure something else more than the beauty of Christ and his saving power in your life. For both groups here, you have this moment here to pray and ask God to reveal those things in your life. In the same way that you've come to know Jesus, you get an opportunity now to repent and believe again. For, for those who don't know Jesus, you can repent and believe. For those who do know Jesus, you can repent and restore the joy of your salvation. And he offers forgiveness thoroughly for all of us. You take your moment to do that, and our teams will lead us in just a second.